Amen. I'd like for you to be able to open up into your Bibles to Genesis chapter 37. I'd like to be able to, this morning, I'd like to be able to remind us and to be able to, to challenge us about the fact that God has an exact path for each and every one of us. God has an exact path that he has designed for our lives. He wants to be able to use each and every one of us in a specific way. And obviously we know that the reason, what he wants to be able to accomplish through us is to be able to give him honor and glory and to be able to show Christ to the people that are all around us. Now, if I was going to ask you just some simple questions, I was also going to, we think about the word also even fear as well. And if I, does God want us, if I ask you the question, does God want us to live in a state of fear? What would be the answer? No. We remember actually a very famous verse, 2 Timothy 1.7. says, For God hath not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and of Love and of a sound mind. But also, too, in that same way, as we realize that God does not want us to live in a spirit of fear, does God sometimes ask us to walk down some scary paths? Yes, He does. And I think as we go into the Bible, we can remember and remember many of the people that have gone down some scary paths. Real quickly here, just this morning. Give shout out to me. What would be some of the people that you remember in the Bible that went through some scary times? Job. Job definitely did. All of a sudden, it was one one scary day, right? When all of those news came in. Who else? David. Yes. Moses. Joseph. Noah. Paul. I think of him going over the... Right early on in his ministry, having to go over the wall in a basket. Yes. Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego. Somebody had said Daniel. They all kind of go together. Daniel with the, facing the lions. Yes. Jonah. I always joke that, date, that Daniel didn't get swallowed by the lion, right? But Jonah actually did get swallowed, didn't he? So many different people that we can, re- that we can remember in the Bible that did have to go through some scary times. One that was mentioned just in the Sunday school that I was at here this morning was actually David. And he was fleeing from Saul. It almost seemed like David almost lived in perpetual scare mode, didn't he? Started off with the lions and the bears and then Goliath. And then he literally was, he, he was... he was chased after. Tried, he was tried to be killed by Saul on countless occasions. And even later on in his life, he ran from Absalom, his own son. And David wrote many psalms that talked about that. What's one of the famous psalms that we know of David? Or what's his most famous psalm that we know of David? Psalms 23, right? And it's interesting, as David looks at Psalms 23, he, he kind of paints the idea of a path. 
He kind of has that idea of the green pastures and the still waters. Talks about those, those easy times. But then all of a sudden you get to verse 4, right? Of Psalms 23, and what happens? Our voice gets a little bit lower, right? Yea, though I walk through the valley of the what? The shadow of death. Did David have to walk through his valley of the shadow of death? Quite a few different times. Quite a few different times. But that verse doesn't stop right there, does it? How does it continue? But I will fear no evil. Why? For thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. You see, David had been able to realize that he needed to have a focus on God. And he realized that God had a purpose in that scary path. And he made sure that he kept Christ as his focus. And he did not need to fear because he knew that God had a reason for it all. Right here in Genesis chapter 37, I actually like you to be able to look at verse, starting in verse 2. Before we do go into God's word, though, let's give this time over to him in prayer. God of heaven, Lord, I ask you so much that you would just uh, guide as we go into your precious word. We already thank you for uh, all the different parts of the service, the fellowship that we've already been able to have as we've come into your house, the, the Sunday school hour, and, and also, too, just the time of singing your praises. And God, I ask at this moment that you would just uh, uh, be with me as I speak help to be able to use the Holy Spirit as we do, do go into your inerrant word. And we pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen. Genesis chapter 30, 37 and verse 2 starts off the story of Joseph. Chapter 37 verse 2 begins, begins, These are the generations of Jacob. Joseph, being 17 years old, was feeding the flock with his brethren. And the lad was with the sons of Bilhah, and with the sons of Zilpah, his father's wives. And Joseph brought unto his father their evil report. Now, when we read that last phrase right there, we almost kind of would refer to Joseph as being a what? Tattletale. That kind of has a bad connotation to it. And in so many ways, I mean, it seemed like his dad kind of liked the idea of an extra policeman just to kind of make sure that uh, he knew what his other sons were doing. They seemed to always have a propensity for getting into trouble. But in so many ways, instead of maybe concentrating on what Joseph was doing, we can also look at what Joseph was not doing. And what was Joseph not doing? He wasn't doing the evil. You see, Joseph had realized early on, I'm not following after my brothers, like some younger brothers might do. He says, I want to know what God's plan is for my life. I want to obey what God has for me. And we can see those great character choices being made by Joseph early on as a teenager. He wanted to know what God had for him in his life. If I could give any challenge to any teenager, it would be that this morning. Or any young person to realize, to say, I want to know what God has for, for me in my life. And be willing just to simply walk that path. Look at verse 13. Skipping down into the story. Genesis chapter 37 and verse 13. It says in Israel, that would be uh, Jacob, uh, Joseph's father. And Israel said unto Joseph, Do not thy brethren feed the flock in Shechem? 
Come, and I will send thee unto them. And he said to him, What? Here am I. Now, it's not maybe one of your most famous here am I in the Bible, but it still does state a lot about who Joseph is and was. Joseph was a man of character that was growing up to be a man of character. And his dad gives him a job and he says, here I am. Okay, dad. Now, do you think Joseph liked the idea of going to find his brothers a long ways away from his father? Probably not. I I don't think that Joseph ever imagined the worst case scenario would actually happen. But all of a sudden he says, okay, dad, I'll do it. One person had mentioned to me that as you look at some of the directions, it wasn't easy to find his brothers. He probably walked more than 50 plus miles just to be able to accomplish this task. Joseph could have given up, said I couldn't find him. Remember, he doesn't find him when he searches at the beginning. But that wasn't Joseph. When Joseph was given a task, he did it 100%. And he always did it to the honor and the glory of God. And then we remember what happens, don't we? Maybe in so many ways, unfortunately, he found his brothers. But we know it was all a part of God's plan. And all of a sudden, his brothers see see the dreamer coming from afar off. And as Joseph gets a little bit closer to his brothers, they literally grab him, they beat him up, and they throw him into a pit. And then they had the audacity to literally sit down and discuss over lunch of what was the easiest way to dispose of their brother. What went through Joseph's head? I have no idea what went through his head, but I can guarantee you fear began to to take over. As he began to really realize what, what situation he was in, I can imagine him even pleading to his brothers, why are you doing this? I'm your own brother, what's dad going to say? They were talking about killing him. And eventually, as we know, they sell him as a slave heading to Egypt. And as Joseph began to make his march on that camel to Egypt and begin to realize that I'm no longer just a favorite son, I'm now going to Egypt as a slave. The life expectancy of slaves at that time was not very good. Especially those slaves that were put out in the hot sun to be able to build the great monuments of Egypt. Lord, why is this happening? I can't imagine as he was making that ride to Egypt, but I I also kind of wonder back if maybe Joseph was not able to grab a hold of some of the things that he was taught. What did people do back then when they were around the campfire? Some of the same thing that we might do nowadays when we don't have our television or our internet phones. They told stories. Had Joseph heard his share of stories? For sure. They're right here in your Bible, right? In Genesis. Who's Joseph's father? Jacob. Who's his grandfather? I got some of you already, right? Isaac. And then his great-grandfather? Abraham. I did it backwards just to make sure you awake, uh, awoke the, today. Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Would he have heard those great stories? Wow. Did they go through their scary times? Did they go through their scary paths? But he also would have heard. He would have also heard how God was with them. That even though God did have them walk down some scary paths, God was with them. 
And I wonder if if at times that Joseph did not begin to think as he was on that camel ride to Egypt, is this not my... Is this not my leave the Ur of Chaldees moment? Is this not my time of to sacrifice my only son on the altar moment? Or from Isaac's perspective, is this not my lay my life on the altar moment? Or is this not my time to wrestle with the angels at the crossroads of Bethel? I believe that Joseph was able to grab strength as he remembered many of the great stories of the old patriarchs. And we can do the same, can we not? We can remember many people that we have seen that have gone through difficult times, but we can remember as well how God was with them and how God was able to get the honor and the glory out of it. And Joseph began to march down the path that God had set for him. Look if you will, in Genesis chapter 39 and verse 2. Joseph has been taken to Egypt. God was gracious and had him go into Potiphar's house. He wasn't out there underneath the hot sun. And notice that phrase that you'll see many times in the life of Moses. Genesis chapter 39 verse 2 and it says, And the Lord was what? With Joseph. And he was a prosperous man, and he was in the house of his master, the Egyptian. God was with Joseph. And as much as I like verse 2, I like verse 3 even better. It says in verse 3, And his master saw that the Lord was with him, and that the Lord made all that he did to prosper in his hand. Not only was God with Joseph, and not only did Joseph embrace that fact that God was with him, what's even neater yet is that other people noticed it. Isn't that what it's all about in our Christian walk? Is that not only do we realize the fact that God is with us, but we want others to notice that fact. We want them to be able to see Christ in us. And a master saw God in a slave. Joseph was able to have such a huge testimony that he literally was able to see how God was, God was using this young slave in his house. How did he do that? Obviously, we know that Joseph did that by having a great testimony. But we also realize that Joseph also talked about his God. Now, at the beginning of the story, at the end, there's a lot more. At the beginning of the story, we don't, he, we don't know that many things that Joseph said. But it is interesting that every time Joseph opens his mouth, guess who he's talking about? His God. He's always talking about his God. We realize later on that uh, this story takes another turn for the worse. In Genesis chapter 39, verse 7, in that same chapter... Verse, skipping down to verse 7. Genesis 39, verse 7, it says, And it came to pass after these things that his master's wife cast her eyes upon Joseph, and she said, Lie with me. But he refused, and said unto his master's wife, Behold, my master wotteth not what is with me in the house, and he hath committed all that he hath to my hand. There is none greater in this house than I, neither hath he kept back anything from me, but thee, because thou art his wife. 
How then can I do this great wickedness and sin against who? Against God. All of a sudden, right here in the middle of everything, temptation comes Joseph's way. And he refuses that temptation time and time and time again. And it's interesting right here in his response to Potiphar's wife, he gives her, he gives her a very common sense answer. I've been given authority and charge over everything except for you because you're Potiphar's wife. But not only does he just give the common sense answer, but he also wants her to know the real reason why. He wants to be able to testify of his God. This was not an easy thing he said to her, and she probably didn't like to hear it. It says right there, I cannot do this great wickedness and sin against God. I can't do this. Even if, even if I could, I can't because of my God. My God does not allow this. Now, how does that work out for him? Kind of a trick question, right? From an earthly perspective, it doesn't work out very well. We know the end of the story. And we know that God works, works everything together to them that love God. But does, just, does Joseph know the end of the story? All of a sudden, Joseph, he resists the temptation and he's thrown into the slammer. He's thrown into jail. And if you think life expectancy was bad for slaves, it was even worse in prison. Things are going from bad to worse. Things are not, things are not going very well for Joseph. But that one key thing, that one constant thing in Joseph's life, Genesis chapter 39, same, ver same chapter, verse 21. You'll remember the phrase. But the Lord was, what? With Joseph. And showed him mercy and gave him favor in the sight of the keeper of the prison. And the keeper of the prison committed to Joseph's hand all the prisoners that were in the prison. And whatsoever they did there, he was the doer of it. The keeper of the prisoner looked not to anything that was under his hand. Why? Because the Lord was with him. And that which he did, the Lord made it to prosper. Wow. The same God that was with Joseph as the favorite son was the same God that was with him in Potiphar's house and the same God that was with him in prison. God was with Joseph the whole time. And to me, it's almost, it's almost mind-blowing and mind-boggling as I, as I read one, one word in chapter 40 and verse 4. You obviously remember while he was in jail, then the cupbearer comes by and the butler comes by, or the baker, and those two have been thrown into prison. And it says in chapter 40, verse 4, it says, And the captain of the guard charged Joseph with them, those two people. And then notice what it says next. And it says, and he what? Served them. And they continued to season in ward. What was Joseph doing in prison? He's serving. He's serving. 
after everything that has gone on, all of the negatives that have happened in his life, what's he doing? Serving God. He's faithful. All of us need to remember that we need to stay faithful to God no matter what. It doesn't matter what our family decides. It doesn't matter what a friend decides. It does not matter what happens in our life. We need to realize that thing that we need to be faithful until the very end. So that one day we can reach that crown in heaven. Joseph was serving even in jail. There's another verse that talks about that they're kind of downcast after their dream. And as Joseph sees them, he sees that they're sad. Not only does he notice they're sad... He asks them about it, and he tries to do something about it. When he finds out it's dreams, what does he say? Interpretations only belong to God. And he gives them the interpretations. We remember that. It's a great interpretation for the, for the, for the uh, cupbearer. He's released three days later, and the baker dies three days later. And he asks the cupbearer to remember him. He asked the cupbearer to remember him. And does the cupbearer remember him? No. He doesn't. Forgets him. And he stays in that prison for a, a while longer. And as we begin to just think of just that, we begin to realize that Joseph had all the reasons to have a pity party. Look at his choices. Obedient to my father and I get sold as a slave. Obedient to God and I resist the temptation and I'm thrown into prison. I try to be kind and do favors for other people and I'm forgotten. Do you know how long Joseph walked through the valley of the shadow of death? Thirteen long years. Seventeen to thirty. 17 to 30. That's a long time. And it didn't look like it was letting up. But if you can remember one thing here this morning, remember this. I believe that Joseph was able to grab a hold of an important truth and an important principle. That it was not all about Joseph. And it was all about who? It was all about God. God wants us to teach us that on a regular basis all the time. It's not all about me. It's all about God. And it's all about what God wants to do through me. And God always wants to remind us of that and remind us to keep our focus on Him and to be glorifying Him and to remember that it's all about Him. I wrote in some of my updates, it was literally about two months before I left Brazil, 2016. And um, 2016, it was crazy. They ended up, I ended up having some different problems health-wise. And through different exams and different things like that, all of a sudden I walked into the doctor's office after they had done a biopsy. And the doctor said, it looks like you have lymphoma follicle cancer. When you hear words like that, what happens? Your life just gets turned upside down. 
It didn't end up being that cancer, but I lived with what I thought was the reality of cancer for two weeks. Brazil had not done one other test called an IHC, which is something that they usually do, immune histochemical. But I had gone through PET scan, I'd gone through blood work, I'd gone through all the things of getting a hold of my mission board. I'd lived, and you know what the mind does, doesn't it? It goes crazy on you, doesn't it? Fear always wants to take over you. And I remember that happening in many different ways. And I also remember looking at the fact, I remember that God is good. I've always said God's been way too good to me. And I was even, I was even fine with that idea of maybe facing cancer at an early age. But Lord always knows how to get at us, doesn't he? And I watched the little kids going up the stairs. And I said, Lord, that's fine for me. But that's not fair to them. Sometimes we're hard-hearted, aren't we? Hard-headed. Simple truths don't always even sink in. I remember I was preaching on Sunday night, because you still got to be preaching. I remember crying in the bathroom after I got after a church service. And I remember dealing with that, and I remember realizing just the simple truths. If God is good for me, is God good for my family? And if it's not all about me and it's all about God... Is not the same true with my family? Is it all about my family? Or is it all about what God wants to do through my family? It is so important that we're able to realize that. And Joseph understood that in a mighty way. His, his words are amazing. Look in Genesis chapter 41 verse 15. Finally the cupbearer does remember him. Some people were remembering that the cupbearer does eventually remember, and he does. Pharaoh has a dream, and the cupbearer remembers Joseph, and now Pharaoh brings Joseph up onto the main scene. Genesis 41, verse 15 says, And Pharaoh said unto Joseph, I have dreamed a dream, and there is none that can interpret it. And I have heard say of thee that thou canst understand a dream to interpret it. Wow. Here's Joseph's chance, isn't it? This is his get-out-of-jail-free card. I mean, all of a sudden, Pharaoh says, I dreamed a dream. No one can tell me what it means. But I've heard that you're the guy. Wouldn't this be Joseph's chance, right? To say, well, yeah, yeah, you're right. I can do this for you. Let me hear it. That's not what Joseph does. Look at verse 16. Real short verse, but it says a lot. Genesis 41, verse 16. And Joseph answered Pharaoh, saying, It is not in me. God shall give Pharaoh an answer of peace. Even on the grand stage, even at that exact moment, when Joseph really deserved to shine, right? He still said, Pharaoh, no, you got it all wrong. It's not all about me. It's all about my God. He'll give you the answer. He'll give you the answer. Same thing in Genesis chapter 45. Genesis chapter 45, starting in verse, verse 3. Joseph is now in, in power. 
Seven years of famine have gone bad. We're now two years into the good. His brothers are hungry. They've already gone to Egypt and looking for food. Joseph has sent them through some different trials and tests. They pass, more or less. And finally, Joseph has got his... He's, finally, Joseph can't handle it anymore, any longer. He needs to tell his brothers who he is. And it says in Genesis chapter 45, verse 3, it says, And Joseph said unto his brethren, I am Joseph. Doth my father yet live? And his brethren could not answer him, for they were troubled at his presence. It's easy to imagine the scene, isn't it? What do you think they heard at that moment? I think they just heard that first phrase, right? I am Joseph. After that, everything got a little blurry. I think, what do you think they probably wanted to do at that exact moment? You know? Food was kind of important, but maybe not so much anymore. They were ready to get out. And Joseph actually asked them to do just the opposite in verse 4. It says, And Joseph said unto his brethren, Come near to me, I pray you. And they came near, and he said, I am Joseph, your brother, whom ye sold into Egypt. Notice verse 5. Now therefore be not grieved nor angry with yourselves that ye sold me hither. For who? God did send me before you to preserve life. For these two years hath the famine been in the land, and yet there are five years in the which there shall neither be earing nor harvest. Verse 7. And who? God sent me before you to preserve you a posterity in the earth and to save your lives by a great deliverance. Verse 8. So now it was not you that sent me hither, but God. And he hath made me a father to Pharaoh and lord of all his house and a ruler throughout all the land of Egypt. Even then, Joseph said, God, you, you don't even feel guilty about all of this. Yes, you did, sold, you did sell me as a slave. That was wrong. But you know what? God was even a part of that. God was a part of that. God had a purpose in the path. God had a purpose in this plan. What was the purpose? One of the purposes was to save their, their very lives. To save the lives of his own brothers. And also to be able to testify of God throughout all of Egypt and throughout all of the world. And last of all, and not least though, we need to go there because it's one of the most famous verses in Genesis. Sums up the life of Joseph so well. Genesis chapter 50 and verse 20. You may be already even knowing the verse that you're returning to. It's a wonderful verse in Genesis chapter 50 verse 20. Joseph is talking to his brothers once again. And he says in Genesis chapter 50 verse 20, he says, But as for you, ye thought evil against me, but God meant it unto good, to bring to pass as it is this day, to save much people alive. In our everyday life, we have a tendency to notice the what? The negative. We do it all the time. 
We always see the negative. We always see the the difficulty. We always see the bad part of a situation. But what does God always see? God always sees the good. God always sees the good that he can take out of every situation. And he wants to give God, he wants, he wants to get all of the glory and all of the honor. It's so important that we can learn that truth to say, it's not all about me and it's all about my God. Because so many different times, so many different times our eyes get off into the circumstances. And we forget to look to our God. Sometimes we do complain and we say, Lord, why do we have all these difficulties in our lives? Sometimes it's just to get our focus onto God. That was mentioned in the Sunday school class hour this morning. Sometimes we have difficulties that come into our life just for us to be able to look up to God and to remember Him. But it's not just for that. God also has a certain path for us because He wants you to shine the Lord Jesus Christ to the people that are all around you. I don't know the path that you've already walked. I don't know the path that you're even on today. And I certainly don't know the path of where God will have you go into the future. But I do know that God has a purpose for it. And we need to be able to remember those wonderful truths that, first of all, God is good. That God is good and He does know what is best for us. And that also that it's not all about us, it's all about what God wants to do for us. Some paths are more difficult than others. They are. They just are. I'm a missionary over in Brazil, and sometimes I've seen some very difficult lives of teenagers. I've seen teenagers give their testimonies of how the Lord called them into into the ministry, and you just sit there and you cry. Some paths are harder than others. But I know, I can tell you one thing. God has that path in your life for a reason. And he wants to use your life to be able to save others with the precious gospel of Jesus Christ. It's so important that we're saying, Lord, I don't care what the path is. I don't care if it's beside the green pastures or the still waters. I'll be willing to walk it. God, even if it means the valley of the shadow of death, I'll walk it. I had a fellow missionary that ended up getting the cancer at the same time that I thought I had it. Eventually the doctor said I didn't have that lymphoma cancer. And the doctor said that he did. All of us have different paths that we have to be walking down. But we need to say, Lord, I'm here. Here am I. That's what Joseph did all of his life. And God shone forth in a mighty way throughout all of Egypt and throughout all all the world. And many people were saved because of that one testimony of Joseph. Let's bow in a word.